you there. All right, all right guys. Um, first of all, I want to thank you all for joining. I think this is not about me trying to tell you what I think about swimming. It's about all of us trying to share thoughts, you know. Uh, we did this last week with, um, we had two talks, what with Spanish people and what uh, Spanish-speaking people and one with uh, English-speaking people. We had some people like Danny Yo and some people, some of you guys joined us, but it was three in the morning. So I tried to set up a time that hopefully would be better for you guys. Um, the idea is like, I've always believed, like I said in the email, that coaching is sharing. And, you know, I, I know in America, we share a lot with, uh, at least with our friend coaches, we talk a lot about what we do. And, and when you go to a clinic, many times when you learn the most is at a bar having a beer with people and chatting, you know? So, so the goal with this is not for me just to give you information because I haven't prepared anything. Everything has to be in a very organic way. You just need to chat. And most important is that people respect one another and that you can ask a question. There's no right or wrong answer of anything, you know? Or there's a thousand ways to get to the same place, you know, as coaches. And we should all respect uh, that. I think nowadays that we, most of us have to be home. You know, it's, it's a good time to pick up and try to get together and chat. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my situation here, where I am. You know, uh, I, I know many of you know that I was in Singapore for two years and then I went to Auburn University and I was an assistant coach for there for two years. And this is my second season at Virginia Tech. At Virginia Tech, I am title is the director and head coach of swimming and diving. Diving. I have no clue how to dive, but I'm the director and head coach of swimming and diving. Um, in my team, I have around close to 80 athletes. Uh, most of them swimmers. I have eight divers, so I have probably 70, 70 swimmers between men and women. And those are the ages of... Uh, 17, 18 to 22, 23. Okay. And with that, I have five assistants, a diving coach, a volunteer coach, and a volunteer coach for the diving team. And so we have a pretty good group of coaches taking care of the athletes. Uh, the way I divided the team, uh, I have a distance, uh, JC is a distance coach, and she and the men and women train together. Right? And sometimes, I can explain that, sometimes we separate the groups, men one side and the women in the other, might do the same practice, but sometimes we separate them. But JC Dyer is a distance coach, and he takes care of the distance. Uh, Steve Stackety is a mid-distance coach. Well, we have two groups in mid-distance. Steve coaches one group, and I coach another group. And then we have Albert Subirats, and he coaches the sprinters. We have the other coaches, Peyton Brooks and Marshall uh, Nichols. They, they rotate and they help us, which it's different. Uh, our NCA season is only, I'm only obligated to coach 144 days a year, right? Because that's what the NCA allows. So uh, and we cannot practice more than 20 hours a week and no more than four hours a day. So for example, those 20 hours, if I have a coach's meeting uh, with the swimmers, 
we have drive and whatever we do, we have to count those on those 20 hours. Right. Uh, been here for two years, building a pretty team. Uh, I think in the next two or three years, we're going to start pushing to be in the top 10 in the country. So that's very exciting for us. Uh, we had uh, last year, we had a kid who was a freshman qualified for the Olympic, uh, Olympic Games for his country, Bulgaria. He's a 155 to under flyer. And then we had a boy who came in when he was 17. He was 55 in 100 fly and, and finished in one course with a 52-2. People don't know about him, but he's been the fourth fastest guy in the history of USA swimming in 100 fly, 18 and under. We have Michael Phelps, Ian Crocker, uh, Luca Orlando, the Luca, Luca Orlando, and then uh, our, our swimmer, Blake Rhino. So slowly we're pushing people up. Besides the swimming uh, at the university, I have a professional group of postgrad group. Yeah, so right now I have 17 swimmers from many different countries. This year I have uh, kids from Hong Kong, Singapore, uh, Taiwan, Egypt, Iceland. Uh, five of them have already qualified for the Olympics and the rest were trying to qualify for the Olympics. Around three weeks ago, the school uh, shut down uh, because we had a spring break. The kids went home. They canceled the NCAA championships, so our kids had, had to stop training. And a week later, our, our facility shut down. So with the college teams, we haven't been in the water for, I want to say, three weeks. You know, uh, And they had to go home. They were going to come back because we didn't know how big the big issue was going to be with the coronavirus. But most of them had, had to stay home. My son is a freshman at the university and he was going to back to the dorms and take class, online classes and be there, but he stay home. We live around four, 30, 40 minutes from the university. So he's here with me and my wife at home. Um, they call it the postgrad group. We were a little bit more lucky. We had a facility around an hour and a half, an hour and 15 minutes from my house that we drove. And we were able to practice only eight people, eight nine people at a time. And that group was Joseph Schooling, Farida Osman. We had all these guys. But a week ago, we shut down that pool. Our, our governor closed the pool, so we couldn't practice. So, like, Joseph came back to Singapore. Farida is living, Osman is living tomorrow for Egypt. So, some of our group of 17 still are here, and some of them have gone home. Most of our pro group, we're going to retire after this season. So they have to, because of the coronavirus, we had a lot of talking to do. And they're going to, most of them, I think all of them, are going to keep going. You know, we have kids that graduated from Yale, Cornell, all these big schools that were going, wanted to be doctors. So they, had, uh, they already had jobs with big company. Uh, and they have postponed everything one more year. So this is the situation that, that I have here. Um, the goal with these talks is that I open the forum and people ask questions. And I think the first one that we did with the Spanish coaches and the American coaches or the English speaking coaches, it's, uh, we just talk about different questions, different things about the situation that everybody's having. Right? And I think after this one, we can, we can prepare another one for next week. We can have whatever subjects or topics you guys want to discuss that are important for you guys. But that doesn't mean that I have to be the one always like, ah, ah, this is, you know, 
I think this has to be a sharing forum of thoughts. And the most important thing, too, and sorry that I talk too much, um, nobody should be afraid of speaking up. Uh, you have a question, unmute yourself, say, hey, you know, what about this, what about that, and whoever has an answer, answer. I'll give you my opinion, but I hope this is an interactive thing. Right. So, uh, anybody wants to ask a question? To begin with, I think most of the um, microphones are off. They need to turn the <laughs> microphone off. Yeah, I think it's important to have it off. Whenever you wanna, whenever you wanna um, talk, unmute it. You know, the mute button is on your left bottom side of the screen. And the only reason is because uh, you might have a pet, or you might be outside, and there's background noise. So it's important that we have 75 people or whatever, as many people we have right now connected. Uh, that would be a lot of noise. So if you want to speak, unmute yourself and, and talk, and then mute yourself again. Make sense? Yeah, good comment. So anybody has a question? I'll start, I'll start okay. it, Serge. Okay, Doc. Go ahead. Hey, so um, taking over at Tech and then uh, but prior to that going into Auburn, how do you, uh, how did you and how do you go about addressing the building of your team culture in terms of uh, kind of there, there's a culture change with a new staff that comes in, but there's also a, uh, a blending of of cultures with kids coming from different backgrounds and how are you unifying that all from different backgrounds into your vision in at the at, at tech prior to that at Auburn before that here in Singapore and before that at Bulls how do how do you uh, how do you build your culture well um, I think I think the most important thing uh, starts with the coaching staff you have to have coaching staff there they believe in you and they trust you, you know. I've been an assistant. My first job was to be a head coach. So I suffered from my assistants that didn't like me and didn't trust me, and it created hell. So the most important thing is that you create a unity with the coaching staff. And for example, I have Steve Stackery that was one of my swimmers, and then he coached. Uh, he's from a Northwestern University, was one of the best swimmers. In the, in the country coming out of high school and Big Ten champion, very knowledgeable. And I have, he also worked with me and helped me build a team. I have Albert Subidats. They always wanted to work with me as a swimmer. We didn't have a chance. And, and he, when I got this job, he called me and he wanted to be. So I knew I could trust him. And I know the most important thing is that I know that they're, they're better than me as coaches. And I have no fear whatsoever about that, you know? Because the important thing is that they develop. You know, as, as a head coach, you want people that are better than you, or they, they can do things that you don't want to do anymore. You know, very important. The problem is when you have an assistant that believes, that knows more than you, and that thinks that things should be doing in a different way, that starts separating the group from you. And what happens, you're going to have a hard time having unity with the students. Make sense? So, first you start with coaching staff, and then it's a very simple thing. 
as a, as a, as a coach, you have to think about what it is that you would like, how, how, would, how would you like to be treated by your coach as a person and as a swimmer? You know, most of us have been swimmers and we had great coaches and coaches that were assholes, you know, and they were abusive or this or that and, and they make us put fear of God on us in order to swim. You know, you want to be like that, you know. So to me, there's three things that you have to find as a coach, you know. Uh, first, well, before these three things, the reason why you coach. Why is the reason why you coach? Well, I'll give you my reason. The reason why I coach is because I grew up with my mother. My mother had three jobs, two jobs for many years. And I grew up in, in a dictatorship that was pretty tough the first 10 years or eight years. And then my country was a mess. And I was not a very good athlete growing up. But swimming gave me power, an internal power to make me understand how strong I am and how I could do whatever I wanted. Not whatever I wanted to be a menace. I was a menace to society for a long time until I figured it out. But to do whatever I wanted and be successful. Now, success, I learned at a young age, is a state of mind. It's not what people think of you. So it's, it's, you can go to bed tonight and figure, yes, I've done something good and you feel good about it. Not, oh, people patting you in the back and saying, hey, Sergio, you are so good. Ah, that's, that's irrelevant. Because people today, they like you, tomorrow they don't. So that's the most important thing, why you coach. And if it's a truly, you want to share that to people. You know. The second, it will be a group of three things. You have to, most of us coach kids that are in school, between elementary school, high school, or college. So you have to balance between their academic side, their personal side, and their swimming side. And you have to find space for the three of them. You can, if, you can, if you can have a good coaching, you, you, you understand your philosophy, you have a good coach, they believe in you, you allow them to be successful, and you can give the kids and make them understand that they're going to be successful with their swimming, with their school, and they're going to have a, a social life. Granted, the many kids don't have a, so, a big social life, but whatever it is, they're going to have a good one. Then you're going to be successful in the long term. That's my thing. Anybody else? Yeah, I'd like to um, focus on the current situation. Go ahead. Am I, am I being heard? Yeah, yeah. What current situation? Like? Okay. So, um, because I think we we're all worried about what's happening um, with the lockdown, and and therefore I wanted to share a little bit. A couple of thoughts of what I'm doing with my um, team, and I think most of you know uh, that my swimmers are locked down together. So, because we either have the FINA program or the high school where the kids are um, um, staying in the dorms, and therefore, um, what what we are doing is online. We stay on the same schedule, and they don't swim; they can't swim. Our pools are closed as well. But we do two-hour dry land at 5.30 in the morning, even though we could do it at any other hour, and at four in the evening. And we're trying to divide the dry land um, into 
um, different components, by the way, doing a microcycle just as if the situation didn't exist. And I wanted to know uh, how people are handling it, how you guys are doing the different things. Like I said, right now, today I was lucky because I, I um, Wednesday morning is my morning off, so I can um, focus on you guys. Well, we would have been finished by now, probably, anyways. But we're going 5.30 to 8 in the morning and 4 7 in the evening, whether they want to or not. And we're being online and I'm trying to have the older kids lead when when they're doing all these things. So what are does anybody have any better ideas and can we break down what we're doing online? Or if you guys are doing anything at all? Good morning, Dick. You look comfortable there. I'll tell you I'll tell you something. By law, by law here, by the conference law. The NCA law, the NCA law, like the ACC conference, we're not allowed to give anything to our students. We're not allowed to. We, we cannot conduct online dryland. All our facilities are shut down. Uh, we cannot watch them do dryland and comment on that. If they want us, we can send them a workout of dryland. It has to be voluntary. And we cannot follow up with them. The only thing that we've been doing is virtual meetings to talk with them about life. You know, but for us, that's the only thing that we can do. Now, a lot of people are asking me, "Are you worried about it?" I'm not. We always teach the swimmers that whatever it is, it is. And if you believe in what you do, you're going to be fine. And in our country, most of the people are in that situation. So when we come back. We're gonna be at the same level than everybody else. Most of our, most of the swimmers are doing are running, are hiking, are doing dryland, but it's on their own, so we're not allowed to do anything. So that's. Hello. Okay. Hey, Serge. Hey. Morning. How are you guys? Awesome. Good. Yeah, good. Um, I I think we we probably all in for the same. One of the aspects to me is is it's a whole mental health aspect. Because uh, we're in for a long ride here, and uh, activities it's long. Uh, but one of the side is what we maybe can provide is we can be the island around the coronavirus. Uh, so when they enter our world, that they, they can have a smile, they can socialize and buy social distancing, they can do different things. Um, but I think that's where we want to be innovative and creative as well. Uh, so what is it exactly what you do, your environment, you are the coach and you create something with your own people. What is it what you provide back to the community? Uh, as Serge said, he has different boundaries than any one of you guys, uh, but everyone has some things they can do that maybe can't do. But then you play around that. Um, uh, we just had some good discussions about it. Um, uh, what that could be like. The first thing the coaches here decided to have a break, uh, not a too long break, but to get away from everything, but then together kick it off. And then together kicking it off again, whenever we can, how does that look like? How can we create that they at least, whenever they're here, they had a smile on their face at stages, they, they walked away. But we, we work already, maybe it can't work towards a competition right now because they haven't been handed to us yet. And even if they say there's a competition later in the year, 
we still don't know whether they will actually be delivered. But again, how can we still set little goals towards their future uh, performance in very specific areas? And so we play the mind game that they engage with you throughout this journey, but you're, you're fun, you're like Santa Claus, you, you make it in, in a different way. The younger you are, the more you, you have to go down those track anyway. And if the older ones, you maybe can be a bit more professional and driving a bit earlier. But the other ones, you have to engage them in a fun way, in a good way, in a tame way. For example, for us, we have to be very careful also with the young ones. The club teams have to be very careful. Because USA Swimming has tell them that if the kids get injured because they're doing dry land programs, and all these, they have no insurance that will cover them through USA Swimming. Well, no, it's, and it, that's a big liability, you know, and in our country is a big liability. Maybe in some of your countries, not like theirs, but everything's about liability in the United States, you know, and everything is about uh, following the rule, you know, and if one kid gets hurt, like for example, when I broke my, when I broke my at the competition, you know, because I, 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 I slipped on the floor, when I went to find my, 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 uh, to get the little bicycle that I use, uh, the guy asked me, he said, hey, this happened at work. He says, oh, you should get a lawyer and sue, sue the facility for a lot of money. That's how American thinks. So you have to be very careful, you know. Uh, so in America, there's a lot of programs that they're doing things, but you have to be, you know, be very careful. For us, it's all about the mental side. It's about meditation, visualization. They know our, our dryland programs, so they can do it on, the, on their own. Uh, our strength and conditioning coaches can give them a guide without watching them. So, but uh, it's it's time to visualize turns, stars, how you swim with perfect stroke. Why not? You know. For example, you see, we have with all the coaching stuff, yes, it happens different levels, all right? So for example, for my group, I do is not just learn exercise, some cardio. I also learn them is some stuff about the stroke. So, for example, explain to swim, some sudden stroke, some sudden zone, or other things. So, it's not just learn exercise. We can teach them something new one for this moment because now actually it's free. Everybody sit at home. If they have no chance to swim and do exercise, need to learn them something. So, actually, don't do exercise, but at least we can teach them, then make it smarter, actually, swimmer. They will be better for us. We can make it this benefit. I, I, I agree with you. I, I think the most important thing for you guys is to be engaged with your group of people so they feel connected all the time and that's what we're trying to do you know we couldn't do a class with our swimmers to, to talk about technique because that would be illegal or i'm not allowed to do it but with the younger kids you guys can do so much more stuff to keep them engaged they just want to feel good about it and i don't know in your countries but in america for example the high schools and elementary schools are putting a lot of work on the kids online they're at home and many people are just complaining of how much work they have to do more than if they went to class. So, 
some kids are spending all time in front of the computers trying to do the work. But, you know, uh, I think I have a question here from Susan. It says, you guys, how do you think that this time off is going to affect competitive swimming in the long term? Anybody has an idea or wants to share a thought about it? Well, um, like the coach before us was saying, I think he, he had a very good insight. Um, I think it's, the, it's a good moment to try to elevate the level of our swimmers' knowledge in different technique to a higher level than they've had before because they can't train physically, they're going to go backwards, and we all know that. But technically, it's a perfect moment to, to make them do dramatic shifts in uh, technical aspects that they may not know very much. And I, I feel like if we do that, um, and this lasts less than, say, four or five months, because if it lasts a year, it's a different thing. But if it lasts less than four or five months, and then they go in the water and apply a dramatically changed shift on the mistakes they have, and that needs to be very individual. They could jump to a, an even higher level. I think this could be an opportunity because we never stop to really focus on the small things and change it dramatically. We do small changes, we make a correction, and then a week later, they're making the same mistake. And um, I was I was having a Facebook. Um, discussion with another elite coach and he was saying that the Olympics should be in 2022 because there is no way we can be stronger and faster and, and all that by 2021. But I tend to disagree on that in the sense that I think we should be, if, once this crisis is finished, we should be the forefront of humanity's um, hope in inspiring people that we can get better despite these problems. Because um, as a community, we have more ingenuity than, than most communities. And swimming, and this is what the virus could prove, is highly technical. Of course, it has, it has a huge physical component, but I think that's always being overrated compared to the technical component which we finally have no choice but to address or die. So um, I don't know if anybody agrees on that, but again, I think it's, it's a positive outlook to think if we do a big shift and focus on technical, we will recover them faster and we will recover them to a much higher level when this is all over. Um, uh, Miguel, thanks for, for your thoughts. I think, I think if things get fixed in the next or get to a place that we can, everybody can start training, 2021 is fine. You know, at the higher level, I can tell you for experience, because I've coached over 40, maybe 50 uh, swimmers that at one point quit swimming, came back two or three years later. Like one of my swimmers, Anton McKee, he's from Iceland, and uh, he was working for a company for three years. And last year, he decided to get back to see if he could make the Olympic team. And between traveling and going to meetings and practicing in a hotel pool, after three years of that swimming, 
he make the Olympic card when 210, 3, 200 rest. So training is important, right? But I think right now for people, for people like me, we cannot train. And we, I cannot even give them instructions. So the only thing that I can do is keep them calm and keep them uh, and make them understand that whenever we can pick up, we'll be fine. You know, sometimes we overdo that. We overdo the technique. We overdo the training. We overdo everything. So I think the most important thing at this time, I believe, is besides the little things that you can do is keep the kids engaged in the group. You know, we talk about life with our kids. We just laugh. We spend an hour with the group. And, you know, talk about movies, talk about this, because that's the only thing that we can do. Yeah. Hi, guys. Just want to chip in a little bit as well. Um, you know, seeing a lot of things online, uh, you know, people doing a lot of online and training with younger children, etc. It almost feels like they want to calm down parents, not the children, actually. Uh, children at, the, at any age, they will do any other exercises, whether you send them something or you don't send them something. Uh, I think it's a little bit about pacing as well. So we as a coaches and again, uh, our own community of swimmers, we gotta just pace a little bit through this difficult time. I think we're not talking about one or two weeks. I think we're looking much longer. So I think a lot of coaches just exhausting themselves, um, doing a lot of stuff online, doing this and that. And I kind of agree with Sergio. We, we all have to calm down a little bit and just learn how to pace. <laughs> oh. Like this, we are shut down right now. We shut down until like we shut down until June thirtieth. June thirtieth, we're not allowed to do anything. So the, the governor of our state has shut down everything, every facility, every weight room, everything. So as of right now, <laughs> doesn't look pretty good for us. So either I keep it like this, getting fat and sitting and being happy and chatting with my kids about everything is going to be okay, maybe singing Kumbaya, uh, oh, we're not going to get out of this. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was saying, just keep pacing, yeah. you know, just one, one step at a time. So, uh, what, what other subject, what, el what else people would like to talk or know, or anything, anything that I can share with you guys, or, you know, we have many coaches here, you know, Doc has coached, Doc Jaren has coached amazing swimmers, Gary and Stefan and his group, everybody has coached, Taylor, yeah. you know, all of you guys, you know. Research, search. Yes. Yes, that's the, you know, like, uh, we, 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 we talk about having in a state of mind, you know, we talk about our athletes being in a good state of mind. How exactly, as coaches, at least from your side of things, how do you actually stay very positive and try to do things to, to change up the way, uh, you know, people start thinking, you know, like just for your, just, you know, self-care. Just what do you think about self-care from you know, your perspective? Well, I, I think the most important thing, and you know this, if, if, if a coach walks on the pool deck and you coach with me, if I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be a happy little lucky every day, but the day that I'm pissed, I walk on the pool deck and everybody gets scared because, oh, Sergio's pissed, is that sad? And, you know, I, I wear my, my feelings in my sleeve, you know. And I think if the kids see you calm and they, they believe that everything is going to be okay, that you believe they will be okay. Whenever you can resume the training, whatever, to normal life, that you're going to be okay. 
I think the kids are going to be at ease, you know, because they believe in you. And that's important. And if, if they see me worry all the time, texting them and, and the meetings, oh, if you don't train, if you don't do this, you're going to be bad, you're going to be bad, you're going to be bad. We're not going to swim, we're going to lose against this team. It doesn't matter. They can be in the best shape possible, they're going to lose. You know? I'm sorry so, that I, I, I got in for a millisecond, but because of the culture of the people that, that I work with, and I think some of um, the coaches here might have the same problem. If they see me calm, when they saw me calm, they went shopping. They took the motorcycle and went to the mall. Well, so you, have, you, have very, <laughs> uh, you, hey, you have very spoiled kids. I'm sorry. Yes. Like, uh, <laughs> and like, like uh, my son is a spoiled, but his friends, and I, I told him, no way. And I let my kids do whatever they're going to do as long as they make good decisions. I told them, you still understand. And you don't move. This is what we gotta do. That's what we gotta do. You know. So, like, hell, you can be calm. But if you raise your boys, I know you since you were a kid. If you raise your boys, your kids are gonna shit on their pants. Oh, they did. They did. So, so, so that's it. You can be calm, and sometimes you can smack them. You know. Like, so, but I think it's important. You know, like, be relaxed. Spend with your family. I think you know. I, I, you might not agree with this because you might have more freedom. But I think in America, the business, the, the best profession is going to have a boom after uh, the, all this crisis. It's going to be a divorce lawyer. There are so many divorces because people are spending so much time with their, their spouses, kids at home. You know, if imagine we have to be here until June thirtieth. We have all April, all May, and all June. Sergio, actually in Wuhan, in China, once they open up the borders, like once people could go outside again, those lawyers, divorce lawyer offices, they were busy as. So it's unbelievable. Incredible. And in nine months' time, we will have the hospitals full of babies too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can hear it. It might be a, a great opportunity for some of us, you know, you know, you know. <laughs> uh, what else, what, what else is important? Well, that's important <laughs> to solve well, this out, to see where you are. No? <laughs> uh, I think it's a... Uh, uh, you know, uh, Mateos, Mateos Matis, Melis, uh, saying that uh, this thing has to have some positive things, at least for the injured kids, because at least the injured kids can, with chronic illnesses, injuries, they can maybe take care of themselves, and and when they come back to training, hopefully they, they can be good. And that that's true too. You know, uh, some kids they try to rush too much into into getting healthy, and that's uh, that's a problem. Uh, any, anybody else? Hey, coach. Yeah, from schooling. Um, I want you to ask how how do you balance your time between uh, your university students doing twenty hours a week and uh, your pro team doing also twenty plus hours of uh, training a week? 
Well, um, let's say, let's put it like this. I coach them at a different time, so it makes for a very long day. I have, uh, let's say, I have practice Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with the with the college team from six to seven thirty, and then I have the college team from seven thirty to nine thirty. So that makes a very long day. In the sense, just trying to keep up with almost hundred kids. Uh, Tuesdays and Thursday mornings, we go six to eight thirty with the university team in the morning, and then we go eight thirty to ten thirty eleven with the with the with the postgrad the pro group. So that's even a longer day. And then in the afternoons, we only practice Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with the college team, and they do. Monday and Friday, they do an hour of weights, so they're not with us, they're with the strength and conditioning. And they do an hour and a half with us on the pool. And then the pros do the weights on their own too at the gym, and then they come to the pool and we have an hour and a half too uh, with them, either 1 to 2.30 or 1.30 to 3 before the college team comes. And it's very hard because uh, as a head coach here, you have a lot of meetings with the university and you have other issues with budgets, with uh, many things, you know, and fundraising. So many times, you know, I have two assistants for the college team, uh, Albert Subirats and Marshall Nichols. And I think Marshall was somewhere here. And many times I have to leave them. I have to, sometimes at nine o'clock, I have to leave because I have a meeting with the athletic director. Or, so it's pretty hard. Uh, also during the college season, when you have a conference meet, the, ch- the conference championships that last a week for the women's and the next week for the men's. For almost two weeks, I don't see the professional swimmers because I have to leave them with the system. Now, the good thing about the professional athletes is that, like I said before, they, uh, they gave up jobs and they postponed their lives. So they're pretty organized and they really know why they're here. So, they don't make us waste our time. So, but the days are very long on the pool deck. Plus the days, you know, Albert Suridats, he's our recruiting coordinator. I bet his days, he starts, he, he might get up at five in the morning and between everything, he gets home at seven or 8 p.m. and, and does all these recruiting calls and all that stuff and maybe he's done by 10 or 11. So, me, as I'm the boss and I'm getting fat and sitting in my couch, I try to not to do as much work. I, I try to give it to them. But, uh, but yeah, it's very long days and very hard too, because in the college team in America, even though they shouldn't fast, a lot of it is developmental coaching. You have to develop these kids. You know? They come from small towns that they heavily train. They come from big clubs that they train a lot. So it's a big it's a big melting pot of different types of training and different things. Yeah. We, we have uh, several coaches meetings, you know, uh, and we're very dynamic tackling with the coaching staff. So we follow uh, certain things with the, the cycles that we do. And so I think we take pretty good care of the kids. Any other question, guys? I have a question. Go ahead. Do you feel like there's a difference um, in the way you train your pros because they're an older group and protecting their bodies 
from some of the wear and tear versus the um, college kids? Well, uh, yeah, yes and no. I think with the college, we practice, with the postgrad group, we practice a lot less than the college team. A lot of these guys don't need uh, so much work. You're talking about people that have been training for the last 15 years at a high level. So it's a little bit more specific, and, you know. Uh, we work a lot more on also on, they, they're here for a reason. So, and they, they're very good at taking care of their injuries. So if they, some of them have had injuries in the past, did the rehab coming, many of them coming 15 minutes before practice and they stretch, they do the rehab exercises. So yes, we pay attention to that. Uh, and the volume, the stress of the practice maybe is higher sometimes, but the volume mm -hmm. is less. So I think- like I, how much volume less than your- I don't know, I think your, uh, depends on the group. Uh, this, you know, uh, my sprinters, this sprinting group that I have, maybe they do an average of, in the main practice, between 3,500 and 5,000 yards of practice. So mm -hmm. talking about, do you take a 10% of that in meters? They're talking between 3,200 3, and uh, 4,500 4, meters of practice when uh, it's the main practice. Uh, and, you know, the other practices, the other two practices that they have in the afternoon, they might do between... 500 to uh, 1500 2000 so because we do a lot of the, the, sec the secondary practice that they have in the afternoon they do it after weights and we do a lot of uh power speed and we try to transition things into into try to take advantage of the weight room into the water you know so it's, it's right. amazing. The, the the cycles are the same in the sense you know i think i explained this before I have not not today, but I my season plan is a lot different than it used to be. You know, I come from the Spanish school where you had to set up a year plan and this and this. Now I set it up differently. I have every week I have two cycles of three days, and right now Monday is power speed, Tuesday is aerobic work, Wednesday is race pace, Thursday is aerobic work, Friday power speed, and Saturday. Uh, race phase and you know the, depending on where we are in the season we still do power speed that means using buckets stretch course weight belts but we do more on the aerobic side of that and as we progress you know we put more power into it. the same thing with the race phase you know we don't need to do uh, maximum production of lactate when we start the season but we start already the season with some race pacing you know and you know and then we progress depending on the weeks. Um, why did you switch to this format versus the way you used to do it? Do you feel like well, it's more beneficial or you're seeing better results? Yeah, I've seen, I've, seen, I've seen better results, but also it's a lot easier for me to be dynamic and change. Because, you know, when I was at Bowles, my group had 108 swimmers. And even though I had to take care of Joseph's schooling, I had another 100 kids that I had to take care of. They pay a lot of money to me. So at one point when, you know, I used to set up the season with my uh, mesocycles, microcycles and everything, uh, it was a mess because if 15 kids miss practice uh, because of school or this or that, then 
you know, I had to readjust everything, the whole season plan, you know. So what I've done, um, you know, and, and there was a, a good friend of mine, Shot Hutchinson, used to do that too. And, you know, I came down to a point that I, I simplify my season plan. You know, I can still have 16 weeks of a season or I can have a year three times 16 weeks or three times uh, 14 weeks, whatever it is. But I use the same one week, two cycles of three days. And it's worked very well. Sergio, is it three days or three sessions? How do you plan? Is it three well, days? I, I little bit missed, I missed it, sorry. It, it's Can you three, repeat again? It's three days, you know, now, like, yeah. uh, we're talking about the main session. You know, the other sessions, because okay. the, the, the pro group, they do normal, uh, the sprinters, they do only two sessions, two doubles a week, you know? And the doubles are like when we, when we do the power and speed. In the morning, we'll do more of like technical stuff and a little, a little bit of aerobic work or recovery, but it's not just a specific type of practice. You know? Everything is specific in the sense that you work in technique and you But, you know, you can only have out of, if I, out of nine practices, if I have, if I have eight practices, five in the morning plus Saturday, that's six. And three in the afternoon, I couldn't have every practice to be a focus of something. You know, sometimes you have to give them a break. Yeah. So, any, 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 any other questions, guys? Hi, Serge. Hey, Taylor. Um, we've talked a lot about plans and, and physiology and stuff, but to kind of come back to what you were saying in the beginning, it really is a time of being able to make the athletes, parents, everybody feel supported. And I mean, I think it goes without saying that's something that you do really well. I just, I guess, it's, is it a conscious, is there some conscious things that you do there to make that happen? Because I'll, I'll be honest with you, like, you know, anybody who can make my wife barely interested in swimming is, is doing something special. So... I don't know. I don't know how you managed to do that because I've been ten years with her and she doesn't ever care about swimming. But you came for ten minutes and she's suddenly, oh yeah, that guy made me feel so good. I'm like, oh great, thanks. <laughs> well, I don't know. I I just I don't know. I try to be positive. You know, there's like right now, doing. I couldn't do all this. I couldn't organize. Like in in the next twenty four hours, I'm gonna have three talks with over three hundred coaches. You know. I couldn't do that, so I keep, I keep my mind doing things that kind of make me feel good about swimming, and I can share that. That my thought is to make people feel good about their swimming, you know. And I think it's important, you know. That why do you coach? If you coach to make money, you need to get the fuck out of here. Excuse my my English. Uh, you need to get the hell out of here, you know, because not many people make money, you know. And you do this why? Because because it's a passion that you have. And I know passion is used, like, nowadays, like, doesn't have a meaning sometimes. But to me, it's like, it makes me understand who I am. And now, swimming is very relevant in this world. And now with the coronavirus, think about this. We're nothing, but we have, what, 70-something coaches? We had, we had, right now, we have 78 coaches log in trying to talk and listen about thoughts about swimming. That means a lot. You know, 
So little things like that, you know. With our swimmers, when we have a Zoom uh, meeting, we talk about movies, what series on Netflix, how are your parents, uh, you know, you know, I don't know, Ryan, Ryan can attest, Ryan Arejo from the Philippines, you know, not that I wanna, I know my family is not perfect because I'm as dysfunctional, more dysfunctional than any one of you. Uh, but I think taking care of your family is important. Or when you ask your swimmers about their family, how are they doing, you know, how's your mom and dad, you know, they have problems, this and that. I think those, these are the moments that you can take advantage of. And many times when we're in the pool, you know, when 70 kids come in in college, you don't catch 70, uh, the problems that they're going on in 70, 70 kids. Sometimes you pick one, sometimes you pick another one. But now I have a lot of time that I could email somebody, hey, let's have a or text, hey, let's have a chat. We can chat, hey, how's your mom doing? How's the divorce going? How is this doing? How is your sister doing, you know? So I think that's important. Uh -huh. Um, hi, Sergio. Hi, Marilyn. Hi, um, I have a question to ask that. Um, just now you were mentioning that you have about 100 swimmers at yeah. one go. Um, can I know how's the layout look like? Like, how do you organize them? How many coaches do you have? And what other stages look like for them? And what other age range? Well, right now, for example, uh, at, at, at a single time, the most that I have, I have around 72. Right? Now, uh, I have five coaches that help me out. They will work together. And I have anywhere between 22 to 18 lanes of short course, you know, of 25 yards. You know, we don't train long course, even though our pool is long course. We haven't trained long course since August. Well, maybe we've done it a couple of times, but we haven't trained long course. And even if it's an Olympic year, to me, it's okay. As long as you're fit and you're ready, you're going to swim fast. So, so with 18 lanes, you know, you have enough space to put three or four people per lane, you know. So sometimes the distance group might have more than three people because they do more longer things. So, you know, or, or, or the sprinters might need more lanes, you know. But so we, we always try to organize in a way that people have a space, do enough space. When we have 18 lanes, it's because our divers are practicing too. So they need at least four lanes of that pool to be able to practice. Uh, the way the coaches are, you know, as I said before, I'm the head coach and I'm in charge of everybody. But uh, we have a distance coach, a female distance coach, JC. She takes care of the distance. We have a mid-distance group with Steve. And I have another mid-distance group because the mid-distance is the, is the biggest. And then we have a... a spring group now the way we work sometimes if you can have a sprinter you know we have a sprinter like i mentioned before we had a kid the last year make the uh the u.s world junior team and got a silver medal in the 400 manly relay you know he went from in the villa he split a 51 seven in the hand fly now the kid hates the 200 he's been a 159 but he, he could be faster but he doesn't want to swim. but he's very strong so he trains the first three days the first cycle with me and he we practice more for the 200 and the next few days he trains with the with the spring group and we have other kids from the distance group that they swim the 500 or the 200 
the, the first part of the week they train with the distance and the second part of the week they train with me. Make sense? So we try to make it so everybody gets a little bit of everything. The first five, six weeks of the season, we train all together. There's no groups. You know, we might separate when we make a distance set or not, or, you know, if I make 3100s on 110, my sprinters are not gonna make it. So I have to be creative of what type of volume I wanna do. Instead of like being 3000, I can, I can do 1800 for them in a different way with 50s, 25s, and short rest and this and that. But, but that's the only time that we might separate without having coaches in those groups. Everybody coaches everybody. So what are the age range for a swimmer? The youngest, we don't get many, is 17 years old. And the oldest in that group would be 23. And we have kids that even though you know, some of them, you know, we had a boy this year that went uh, 142 in the 200 backstroke, but he's a walk on 142 translated. More or less, he's a 154 in short course meters, 200 back. So pretty fast for an 18 year old kid. And, uh, you know, when he came in, he came from a small town in the woods, you know, in the forest. And he was not used to training. So you had to do some adjustment. You know. My son is a breaststroker and he's not, he wasn't used to training. And I killed him this year, you know, because he was with me and I tried. He improved. He dropped four seconds in the 200 and one and a half seconds in the 100. But I put him in a hole because he was not used to training that much, you know. So we have to be very careful, you know, how we move people from one group to another. Make sense? And the idea is I have a very talented coaching staff. They're young and they believe in the program. So I don't have a problem leaving the swimmers with another coach and allowing them to, to take ownership or responsibility. Do you, how often is your meeting with them? Like, is it every day or is it per cycle? With the coaches? Yeah. Yeah, with the coaches, we, we spend so many hours together. We have two meetings a week, one on Monday and one normally on Thursdays. The one on Monday, we talk about administrative stuff, you know, academics because we have a meeting with the academic advisors they come and they tell us who's getting good grades not with the medical staff who has injuries or not and all that and traveling hotels because we have to organize all that and and sometimes we have time to talk about training on thursdays or we, we talk more about training you know i gave them at the beginning of the season my thought process how i want the season to be the weeks that we have or this or that the main needs that we're going to have and then we just not normally all the time, and I, I see what they do, you know, I, I'm a control freak in a way, I don't like having groups, but I, I really believe that that's the way to go, so uh, I, I, keep, I try to keep an eye on things and always ask questions, and they're very good at explaining things to me. But, yeah. Thank you, Sergio. You're welcome. Uh, hi, Sergio. Hello. Uh, Okay, so uh, as of now, I, in the team I have is around 14 people. And uh -huh. uh, my question is, uh, if you are the only coach and then there's not enough budget to get more coaches, as you say, you have five, uh, how do you manage like pick up who are the sprinters, mid-distance or long-distance long swimmers and how do you train them if you are the only one there? Any tips or suggestions? If you have 14 swimmers, it's not that difficult. You know? Also, yeah. I'm still starting out and I'm struggling already. 
Yeah, but you just need, the important thing is that it's you have to really uh, believe on what you do. And you know, sometimes I write like like last year I I, I didn't have groups and I wrote maybe five five different practices for each session, and I spent three hours a day writing practices. So what you gotta do is really separate the kids with what you think they are and be flexible with that. And if you have to write three different practices uh, a day or per session, that's what you do. And then the, the tricky part is how many links do you have for 14 people? You know? So you need, to, you need to manage that too. Do I have two links? Do I have one lane? Do I have six lanes? If you have a, a low number of lanes, maybe you have to do the, the warm up the same, they work on the same, some of the main things the same, and the big part of the main thing different. Make sense? So, so, but I think, I think the important part is just be creative. Be creative and take ownership of that. Uh, yeah, I understand. Because as of now, the, they are doing the warm-ups different, and then uh, I don't have enough links. So your suggestion is to do warm-ups the same? Does it, uh, how do I make a warm up that's beneficial to their main set and it caters to all the distances? I don't know what the main sets are, but warm up is warm up. Mm. You know, warm up is just to get the heart rate up. Yeah, just get them ready for the set. Any way that you think you're going to get them ready, you will get them ready. Now, when we lift weights, they come from the weight room. We don't do any warm up. We get in the water and we swim fast. And people will think, oh, Sergio, they're going to get injured. We don't have injuries. So, so you, you can figure it out. It doesn't have to be, you just understand your environment and just warm them up the way you feel they need to warm up and, you know, and you're going to keep learning. You might make a mistake one day or you might say, oh, I did too much here. You cut it. Oh, I did too little here. You add more. And in the next three months or four months, you'll have a very good idea of what to do. Okay. Thank you. I'm Gary. Yes, sir. Yes. What? <laughs> no, no, not, nothing much. I just uh, having a good time listening to everyone's thoughts, and actually, it's been quite interesting so far to hear everyone, uh, you know, being in a situation, and then now moving on to a bit more topic on on, on coaching as well. I think it's good to hear your perspective on on things. Um, I think what what I I, I always you know, enjoyed working when I was with you is uh, how you, you thought out of the box and you actually gave like, you know, just now, just a simple thing, like even a warm-up, like how you would actually change up your warm-ups just so that everyone, uh, you know, it, it's just being very individualized in a very di different and unique way. So I think coaches just need to understand that, that there is no formula that fits one fits all model, you know. So I, I think that's where we need to come across, especially in these times where, uh, in this situation of COVID, um, we, we, we just got to be innovative and just think out of the box and, and figure out ways to, to get our swimmers to be where they are, where they need to be, you know. And thanks, man. Hey, hey Doc, you, hey, Doc, you've been there for a while, so you probably can give them some good advice of what you think. Uh... Yeah, I guess. I mean, I bounce a lot of ideas off, off Gary and Leo and 
and and Marcus and Stefan and, and those guys. But um, don't pass the button up, please. You guys got questions, just go straight to Gary. Okay. He's got to catch up with my hair. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's been interesting for me as well uh, in terms of like, uh, you know, being immersed in kind of my own little bubble up here, uh, with, uh, with kind of how things go in terms of, you know, training, culture, all of it. it it's, uh, it's been a shift for, for myself. Um, you know, I'm not going to be able to answer the question probably as directly as, uh, as anybody wants, unfortunately, mostly because I, uh, my brain is all haywire right now, but, um, you know, it, we're like, we're under some restrictions and like going back to, to the COVID thing, we're under some restrictions with training that, uh, that make it extraordinarily difficult. We've had to add sessions and cut sessions short and, and, and do this and like, like, Going back to, and I'm sorry if I if I just like totally mess up your name, uh, but the the kid that was talking before, uh, Zagang, uh, I'm sorry if I mess up your name, but um, they're gonna laugh at me. But uh, you know, it, I don't. I think in terms of that, one of the things you need to re realize and recognize is you're not really gonna go wrong if you take note of what you do, right? If you're if you're careful, if you take note of what you do, take note of what works, what doesn't work. And, and you're gonna find if you're if you if you pay attention, you're gonna you're gonna learn how to do things better. And this is actually where like moments like this with and I'm sorry I'm going on, but moments like this where we're all challenged to find a new way or deal with hurdles and restrictions are actually the moments where I believe uh, extraordinary creativity and, and and figuring out moments to move the sport forward are actually gonna come from. The moments and, and the times where we have everything at our disposal just makes things too easy. And so the moments where we're actually restricted, we can find better ways. And, and I think this is actually, I look at it as an opportunity, not just because we have an extra year in the Olympic cycle, but because of all the restrictions we have, we find ways to make our athletes better mentally, physically, spiritually, and ourselves better that's going to lead to the sport moving forward more, even in this time of uh, inconvenience. And, and I don't want to say crisis, but you know, it, it's a chance. So um, I don't know if I, I don't know if I answered that correctly, but I actually am enjoying this because it's making me more effective, not enjoying the suffering around the world, but this, this, these restrictions and the way this is going is actually a huge chance for me to explore a massive amount of creativity and really, really pare down what works and what doesn't work. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Doc.